Hello everybody and welcome again to Nerd of the Third Power, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy and awesome. I'm your host and master of ceremonies, Dr. Gonzo. With me as always in this epic quest of awesomeness is our resident anime goddess, the cat. Cat, how you doing? I'm doing great. How y'all doing? Sorry, I didn't mean to come off sounding quite so country. <laughs> how are you all doing? Question mark. Uh, the l- l- listener, uh, many people do not know this, but Cat has a has a phobia about sounding like a cowgirl. I really don't, but um, <laughs> we're gonna go with that as our thing for the episode. <laughs> okay, Skyblaze is uh, unfortunately not with us this week uh, due to uh, ro- to uh, robotization. Uh, John and Brian, though, how are you guys doing? I didn't know robotization was actually a thing anymore. Oh wait, is that a Sonic reference? It is yeah, a it Sonic is. reference. I, I I can verify that. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna be over here in the corner. <laughs> I, I try to go and do something nice for Skyblaze, and you had to go and ruin it, Brian. Thanks. Um, that's what I'm here for. Just destroy everything beautiful. Jeez, <laughs> I thought that was my job. <laughs> Uh, so this week we got a fun show planned. We are discussing probably what uh, is probably the, the biggest news in uh, in in the geek world right now, and that's the plight of the pygmy elephants in Madagascar. No, fuck that. We're talking about Deadpool. Deadpool is what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, did, did Deadpool some come out already? Now, super pissed at you. No, <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about the about the extinct hippos. I thought it was pygmy <laughs> elephants, but okay. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> He's not even committed to his fake topic. <laughs> Look, as far I, I can't even tell one animal apart from another. As far as I'm concerned, they're all food. That's what they are to me. And that's why you don't dog sit anymore. Yeah. Two legs people, four legs food, more than four legs, an abomination unto the Lord that must be destroyed. <laughs> so anyway, but yes, we are uh, talking Deadpool uh, this week. Uh, the uh, Ryan Reynolds fic that... Uh, Thick. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> the like Ryan Reynolds a... fan fiction that made 135 yeah. million dollars. <laughs> yeah, this this if anything is a self inserted fan fiction, I feel like this is it. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Ryan Reynolds self in, self insert fan pick that uh, just came out this last week that has made all of the money. Uh, apparently, it's busting all the the R rated opening records. So uh, yeah, that's me fun. Uh, we do have a little bit of housekeeping, though, that we need to uh, take care of first. Um, so, you know, long-time listeners know that, you know, one of the things that we'd like to do at the start of every year is the Golden Bacon Awards. Um, and we look forward to doing them as well. Um, the problem with this year, though, is that because of events in all of our lives over the course of uh, the holiday break, um, the Golden Bacon takes several months of pre-preparation to put together. Uh, we actually normally start work on the Golden Bacon Show uh, the in the preceding October, uh, because that's about how much time it takes for all of us to go through all of our respective geek universes and decide our nominations. You know, rewatch or reread or replay or whatever we need to do um, for our specific. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Domains. Domains. Yes. Thank you, John. Uh, early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> Um, so anyway, it takes several months of preparation to get that done. However, because of events in all of our lives, you know, me finishing school, Kat getting a new job, Brian welcoming a new baby niece. Congratulations on that, Brian. I forgot to say that to you last week. Oh, thank you. So con- congratulations on that. Um, we unfortunately just did not 
did not have the time or the ability to put together a Golden Bacon Award show for this year. And if we even if we started doing work on it now, uh, by the time we finished up with it, with our with our recording schedule being what it is, it wouldn't come out until probably close to the end of this year. And at that point, you know, what's the issue? What's the point? So uh, unfortunately, this year we are not going to be doing a Golden Bacon Awards show. We might do, just like as a short thing, just kind of talk about things we really liked uh, over the course of 2015 and have that, kind of, you know, have that kind of be a substitute. We're still kind of mulling some ideas over. But um, it's, looking like the, it's looking like the Golden Bacon is taking a, uh, a bit of a break this year. Um, we are going to try and, do a sh- and, do, and get back on track and do a show next year. Um, hopefully our lives will remain stable <laughs> up to that point. But for this year, it's just not possible. So uh, to answer questions on that, um, we're unfortunately not able to do a Golden Bacon Awards show this year. So uh, another piece of housekeeping that uh, i got to take care of, we're doing sort of an experiment uh, with our format. Uh, listeners will notice that we didn't do headlines last week, and we're also not doing them this week. We're kind of doing a little bit of, a, of an experiment with the show format to see if it's kind of e- easier uh, on, uh, on us to record and also produce a better product. So what we're, tr- we're going to try doing in a couple of weeks is instead of doing a headlines and discussion in, in all in one episode, we're going to do a discussion one week and then an all headline show the following week give us a chance to sort of expand on our news topics and editorialize a little bit and, you know, kind of spice up the, the news segments and see if we can't make them a little more fun and make things a little easier on us uh, as far as recording goes. So, you know, if you've been wondering where the headlines have been for this week and last week, that's that's why we haven't done them so, yet so far is because we're kind of trying to experiment. So, you know, we look forward to putting that out and hearing your feedback and what you guys think on that. You know, if it turns out the listeners really like that, then that's what we'll keep doing. And if they don't like it then you, you, and you start burning us an effigy over it, then, well, you know, we'll try and find a solution that makes everybody happy. Um, so, yeah, there's that. So, and now with those two bits of housekeeping done, we're going to go on to our probably our favorite section of the show, which is Ask a Geek. That is staying right where it is, and we've got some good questions here. First question here is from Melissa, and it is for Kat, and the question is, if you could live in any anime or manga world, what would it be? wouldn't want to live in most of them, because in most of them I'd probably die. Um... But you'd want it to be one that's still kind of interesting and has cool stuff, but one where you're not likely to get killed. That's tough. Um, I, you know what? Screw it. I'll risk death and live in the Slayer's world because knowing magic would be really badass. And, and also there you can eat as much as you want and never get fat. Okay. Huh. All right. And she has a second question for all of us, which is that if you could have any one Pokemon as a pet, what would it be? Squirtle. Okay. <laughs> Brian knows where his loyalties lie right at the gate. I'm John, sorry, my, my guy ev- uh, evolves into a tank with water guns. Fuck everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Brian apparently wants to, to, to take his Pokemon and join the riot police. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Don't piss off Brian. John, what about you? Gosh, this is really difficult for me because I'm one of those few people for whom the uh, the Pokemon phenomenon just kind of mostly passed me by. So, I don't know. Um, Mewtwo? I don't know. He murders people. He seems interesting. <laughs> wow, that tells me a lot more than I really uh, am comfortable knowing. I'm, I'm now actually kind of frightened of you. That's, uh, okay. Uh, all right. Cat, what about you? 
I too am someone who the Pokemon thing passed right over, um, even though I'm an anime fan and that kind of seems counterintuitive. Um, can I go with any one of the evolutions and then people will still respect me? Yeah. You could go sure, with all yeah. of the evolutions. I'll just have all of the evolutions because they're cute. Okay. Uh, me, I would like the, uh, I'd, I'd like a little, uh, a little pet Elekid, uh, so I could raise it up to an Electivire, and then if I'm ever in a storm and my power goes out, I can use it to power my home. Nothing so, uh, can go wrong with that. Well, I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I can't, I can't live without my technology, you know, if, they, if, if anyone, anyone who knows me knows, if the power goes out and I can't turn on some kind of device, I start having, like, withdrawal symptoms, it's like, you know... It's it's bad. It's it's bad enough that even like hardcore meth addicts looking at me like, dude, you need to go into rehab. Like, serious. <laughs> so okay. Uh, next question here comes from uh, Jonathan, and it is for all of us again. And uh, the question is, what are our thoughts on the announced uh, Star Wars theme park that's apparently being built at Disney? How how soon can I buy tickets? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's um. See, I I would trust um. As far as theme parks go, I would trust Disney with this above just about anybody else. And, I mean, Star Wars has been a really big uh, part of Disney theme parks for a while now. I mean, we've had Star Tours in Disneyland and at Disney World. And they started doing the Star Wars weekends like a decade ago or something like that at um, uh, the theme park formerly known as the Disney MGM Studios. So I'm kind of pumped. I want to see what they can come up with. Okay. It sounds cool. <clears throat> Brian, what about you? Um, well, <laughs> it sounds like a childhood dream come true, and it's Disney, and that's what they do. Um, wow, that was almost a poem. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm excited, but it's it's one of those things like, yeah, they're making one, and I remember where I live. Like, I'm not near there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that, you know, that that's why Century. God invented the road trip. <laughs> Kat, what about you? I, well, you've already, you've already said, you, you're, you stayed how excited you are. You're wondering when you can buy tickets, but, uh... Yes. How, <laughs> uh, I, I, too, am, uh, thoroughly pumped. So, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little addendum to this question, just a personal one. What's an attraction that you would like to see? Like, what, what, what to you is, like, the must-have attraction in a Star Wars theme park? So, Kat, let's start with you, since I, I skipped over you the- on, the, on the first part. <laughs> The cantina. Oh, the restaurant yeah. has to be the cantina. <laughs> yeah, that 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 that'd be pretty cool. Ooh, yeah, that would be awesome. Go in and order like bantha steaks and uh, and fried dewback wings. Ah, uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I, I I I but like. They, I, the the one thing that I I don't want to see being served at the cantina is fucking blue milk, because that just like. Yeah. That's going to yeah. be there because that's one of the first things like food-wise is most talked about or drink-wise. It's going to be a cocktail though. Yeah. Or you want some death sticks? <laughs> <laughs> is that what they call french fries in a, in in the Star Wars universe? Death no, sticks? No, I'm pretty sure it's a drug. I, I know it's yes. a drug, I'm, I'm, but we're talking Disney. I don't think they're they're going to have somebody out there dispensing actual like fucking narcotics. Well, I mean, well, French fries could be considered a drug, <laughs> especially if you get them from che- from Checkers. <laughs> John, what about you? What are you? Uh, what do you? What would you? What would be your must-have Star Wars attraction? 
God, I am racking my brains trying to think of something, and I'm just I just keep drawing blanks because everything I start to say, I realize is like something that Star Tours has already done. Because Star Tours started off with just one show, and now they've got it where it's like randomized, where you go through different segments, and all the parts of Star Wars that I could think of that I would like to see a ride or attraction based around is something Star Tours is already doing. It's driving me mad. Okay. <laughs> All right, so apparently when he's upset, uh, John transforms into Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Good to know. Parry the platypus! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brian, what about you? Your must-have Star Wars attraction. Oh, I want a dogfight simulator. Oh, damn it, you stole mine. Yeah, I, I want, like, two teams of, like, six. You're all in your own separate pods, but, you know, sort of like a virtual reality thing. You're flying through, and you get to shoot at each other as TIE Fighters or X-Wings or what have you. I, Ooh, that would I be want. great. Oh, yeah, man. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to go a little off the beaten path. Uh, you know how some, uh, how in, in some of the, the Disney parks they have, like, little workshops and, and stuff that you can, you know, go in and do, like, a little arts and crafts thing? If, they're, if we're going to do a Star Wars theme park, you have to have a build-your-own lightsaber workshop. That just has to happen. Oh, that's a good idea. It would cost so much money, but it'd be worth it. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, you know, if, if you can already afford a ticket to fucking Disney World, you have already proven that you are a person of means. So, you know, go whole hog. That's 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 my philosophy with, with going to, to Disney World. You either go big or you go home. <laughs> well, yeah, because okay. you spend all your money getting there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, just go home. <laughs> all righty. And uh, let's see. What, let's see what's a nice little third question here. Uh, okay, here's one that uh, for Brian. That uh, just came in today. With Deadpool making all of the money and breaking all the R-rated uh, film opening records, what is a comic character that you think would be best served by an R-rated film? <gasps> oh, I was dr- actually dreading someone to ask this question. Um, I was about to say, did you, did you just have a heart attack? <laughs> I'm not lying. I legit got scared. I was like, oh shit, I've killed him. <laughs> No, because there is there is a couple of like characters that you could do like really well could do like R rating. The question is if you can do it well or not. Like, well, I'll get to that a little bit more with the Deadpool when we talk about that. So, uh, I've heard some names already been slung around. I've heard Venom, like that was one. I've heard Lobo, that was another one. Um, those are like the two I guess bigger or harder ones that you could do. In terms of like R rating, those are the two of them. Um, you could now actually go around to some of the more outskirts books, some of the independent books, uh, a la maybe Fables, because Fables can actually be kind of need an R rating every so often. Uh, another one would be The Boys, despite the fact I hate it, but it is one of those books that if you make into a film, has to be R rated. Did they um, already do The Boys? No, they haven't. No, I'm, th- it, I think, I'm thinking of Lost Boys. Never you mind. You think I'm of sorry. Lost Boys? Okay, yeah, I, that's different. Uh, the Boys was something else, um, and it was actually specifically drawn. One of the characters was actually specifically drawn like Simon Pegg, so they can get him to make a movie. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> so I like how they how they modeled Ultimate Nick Fury after Sam Jackson. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, so you this in terms of like superheroes, it doesn't open up too many doors. But I think it opens up a lot of doors for independent work now. And, again, though, yeah, making it R is all right. 
But you have to have some quality behind it as well. Okay. All right. All right. Personally, I'm pulling for an R-rated version of the original Ninja Turtles. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, because uh, th- those original Ninja Turtle comics, those were dark as shit, man. Yeah, ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't... I, don't, I, I, I do not think that Nickelodeon would stand for that, though, since they hold the rights right now. <laughs> uh, the kids got to learn someday. Ninja Turtles, rated R, from Nickelodeon movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only, the only one that I could think of that would be really good for an R-rated film would be The Punisher. Um, that's only because they've already done him. Um, I, I, I will always maintain that the biggest problem, that Thomas Jane was the perfect Punisher. The only problem with his movie was he didn't have a good script to work with. So, but of course, now we've got the Punisher series coming out on Netflix. So uh, we'll have to see how that uh, how that goes. So, all right. Well, that's all the Ask Geek questions that we have for this week. As always, you can send them to us through the email at billysmith at channelawesome.com. Or you can uh, drop, if you're one of our Facebook faithful, we have a thread on our Facebook for permanent Ask a Geek questions. So you can drop them there. And, uh, yeah, so go ahead, send in your questions, get those in. We love hearing your questions, love reading them on the air. And, uh, yeah, so go ahead and get those in. And uh, so with that, we're not really doing a headline segment this week, so I guess we'll just uh, launch right into our discussion topic of Deadpool. So, yes, Deadpool uh, just came out this last weekend, the uh, Ryan Reynolds Dream Project, and uh, it has done far better than I think any of us had any right to uh, to ask for. I think, like... I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of always felt like this movie was kind of going to be kind of a flash in the pan, but uh, it seems to be doing really well. So uh, yeah, uh, let's just launch into that. So uh, yeah, general thoughts on the Deadpool film. Uh, well, those of us managed to see it. So uh, Brian, let's uh, start with you. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, this was a film I dreaded for a while because my semi unlikeness of modern day Deadpool. Uh, the modern day Deadpool is more lol. I'm the internet. And he's written as kind of an idiot, and you sort of lose the heart of the character that uh, guys like uh, Joe Kelly really put a lot into when they was when he was writing the character. And lo and behold, my I was a little bit uh, thanks to I guess I was because of the advertisements I was uh, I was surprised. And I was like, oh, they did remember to add the heart into the film. Okay, let's let's see where it goes. Okay, John, what about you? What did you think of this film? Other than, hate, other than hating it for flooding you at work, because I know you work <laughs> in a theater. Ah, uh, you know, it's it's it, you, these things happen. It's it's not as bad as Fifty Shades of Grey was in terms of um, anything really. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey is just an objectively worse thing in general. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I liked it. I went to the very first showing that we had uh, because I wasn't working that day. <laughs> Suckers. Um, <laughs> And uh, I I really enjoyed it. I was entertained all the way through from beginning to end. Uh, I laughed frequently. I will say that I didn't have any, like, giant belly laughs. They were mostly, like, you know, appreciative, uh, appreciative, amused chuckles. But uh, they were they were still laughs, nonetheless. They counted. So, uh, appreciative chortles, then. Uh, yes, chortles. That's a good word. They were... They were... <laughs> That's the Deadpool action figure from X-Men Origins Wolverine. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Alright, and uh, Kat, of, of all the people on the show, the, the two people that I, I kind of thought would be, would, wouldn't like the film were, uh, were you and Skyblaze. So, what, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on the film were. Um... 
I don't know why you would think I wouldn't like it, except well, the uh, slight fear that it was all going to be one long dick joke. <laughs> um, because I don't, I don't have any strong feelings about Deadpool in, in any way. I'm not like, oh, Deadpool's so overused, because I don't read the comics. Um, and the most... The most animosity I have towards Deadpool is that it's way overdone in terms of a uh, comic book convention costume. But other than that, I don't really have any strong feelings about Deadpool, and I didn't really go in with too many expectations other than I really, really hoped it would be funny. And I'd say it met those expectations pretty well. Yeah, that was that was that, that was the kind of my fear because like you, like I've known you for years, and you historically have not been a huge fan of uh, of ribald humor. And I was like, oh god, you know, she, I, I was, no, yeah. no, it's it's I it can be raunchy and dick jokes. It just has to be good. <laughs> yeah, basically, and there has to be an occasional respite from the dick joke. I mean, you can't have a dick all the time. You got to break it up with something else. You sound like you have a lot of experience with this, John. I claim the Fifth Amendment. Uh, I'm sorry, there was an opening and I just had to take it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. And for, uh, I'm going to pass up the joke there, the obvious joke there. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, for uh, my uh, thoughts on the film, like I said, this movie, I think, was better than any of us had any real right to hope for. Um... You know, it was, I mean, like, I, I was excited about it when it was first announced. I knew it was being made, but at the same time, I kind of had this fear. I was like, you know, this, you know, this is, it's going to be like Transformers. It's going to be one of those things where I'm going to have, like, pie-in-the-sky expectations for it, and it's never going to be, it's, it's, it's not going to be, it's not only is it not going to be as good as I thought it was going to be, but it's it's going to be, you know, mediocre at best or outright bad. But uh, this time around, I was, uh, I was, I was, I you know, like Thor and Oakenshield, never have I been so been so glad to be wrong. Um, this movie was much better than I thought it was going to be, and I was thoroughly entertained uh, by it. So, Gonzo, you are actually the biggest Deadpool fan we have, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the comics and the character? Okay, so uh, to really kind of understand, uh, you know... A lot of younger readers are kind of kind of just getting exposed to Deadpool now. A lot of them are actually kind of surprised to hear that he's actually been around for a long time. So uh, if you would, uh, you know, along with me, cast your mind back uh, to the 1990s, you know, to those 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 long ago days when America wasn't at war with everybody and gas cost a dollar ninety nine a gallon, you know, um, the 90s comic scene was very much it's it's it's, i've heard it called the dark age of comic books because everything was all dark and gritty you know lots of guns lots of pouches rob leefield was in his prime in this age and um you know a lot of a lot of you know grim and gritty violence in uh the mainstream comic scene you know you had uh i think you had a you know spawn was getting real popular it's basically a lot of these you know dark and edgy was the the order of the day and uh Along comes Rob Leefield, who again was in his prime in this day, and uh, not the running joke that he is now. And <laughs> his, uh, his prime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. And uh, and I'm really hoping that I'm pronouncing this right because I've never been able to. <laughs> Fabian uh, Nicieza, uh, writer and uh, artist team, uh, create this character who takes all of those grim and gritty, dark and violent tropes and just plays them completely silly that's actually how uh deadpool uh he first appeared in x-force as just this minor antagonist when he got his own book he was played as sort of a parody of all of these dark age 
you know, superheroes. He was uh, one of those characters who, he was a product of his time. He, he really could not have uh, been successful had he appeared any earlier, any later than he did. Um, and one of the things that set him, that really kind of set him apart was that he was aware throughout his whole his whole run when he got his own book in the 90s he was aware that he was in a comic book and he would frequently break the fourth wall um before he became the meme-tastic character that he is today one of his uh his most quoted lines was uh you know none of this is real none of this is happening there's just a guy at a typewriter and this is all part of his twisted imagination and uh, he, he had a rather successful run in the 90s, which uh, is where the movie takes most of its cues from, story-wise. Uh, but it really wasn't until the early 2000s when he got paired up with Cable in Cable and Deadpool, which ran for about 50 issues, where he really sort of took off and found uh, a, a large audience. Um, and then, of course, you know, he's, for some reason, 2007, 2008, he just kind of exploded, and he's been everywhere since, which I really can't account for. Um, so, yeah. Brian, uh, as our comic scholar, do you have anything to add to what I've already said? Yeah, or any no, corrections? No, no, you are you're got everything pretty set down. Um, but I'm going to mention, because uh, I mentioned earlier Joe Kelly. Like while Fabian did a great job of creating this character and and when when the writing, it was I to me, he's Joe Kelly's run on with the character is really what solidified it. What happened afterwards is sort of he fell kind of into the wayside. Um, like he was around, but he was sort of a running joke, and because no one could really figure out how to mix to mix good story with his very very interesting sense of humor. Uh, to put it that way. But then he exploded thanks to the internet. And it's because of memes. And that's where I lost the character. That's where I started not caring about him. Because a lot of writers, like Daniel Way and so forth, write him as a meme generator. It's like, yeah, I can write whatever I want. As long as it gets on the internet, I'm fine. Um, but then the, I feel like the heart of the character was sort of lost uh, for a while. Because his backstory is just as tragic as a lot of other backstory characters. And he sort of, and you see him hide that a lot, and and they don't, and they also sort of instead of writing him funny, they wrote him as an idiot. You know, it's like no, no, he's he's competent, he knows what he's doing, he's nuts, but he's not an idiot. You know, and that sort of drove me away from the character for a while. Yeah, that 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 was a, that, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of don't like the current run of Deadpool, because. Um, I don't know. I just it, it feels like they've kind of lost that heart with the character, like you said. But anyway, um, the, the the Deadpool film. Uh, you know, we've talked a bit about the comics. Let's talk now about the film. The the first film with Deadpool in it. I will fight the man who says otherwise. Uh, Ryan Reynolds has been campaigning for more than a decade to get this film made, and uh, it's finally happened. And um, so yeah, uh, let's go ahead and start breaking it down into its uh, component parts, starting with uh, the plot. Which, uh, as I mentioned before, it takes its cues uh, from the '90s comic run. Actually, the whole they, they they stayed really faithful to the origin story as it's presented in the comics. Um, there were only a few minor changes, which I'll get to later. But um, basically, the plot of this film uh, it starts in media res with uh, Deadpool hunting down this guy Francis, and uh, through flashbacks that are interspersed throughout the main plot we learned that uh, Wade Wilson was a former Special Forces operative 
who uh, retired, went underground, and now he's making his living, uh, you know, you know, uh, pushing around uh, stalker pizza guys, which is a stereotype that, as a pizza man myself, I find kind of offensive. But you know, hey, I'll go, I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Is there a stereotype about pizza guys that they stalk people? Is this is this a thing? I mean, no, I'm serious. Is this is this literally a, a prejudice or bias that I was unaware of? A whole is there a whole library of pizza guy stalking fiction and literature that I've and movies that I've never come across? Let's let's Please just say tell me there's a TV tropes page. <laughs> I don't think there's a TV tropes page, but let's just say I've heard every joke that there is. <laughs> okay, so, go further. Um, like many, five. believe me. <laughs> But anyway, putting the train back on the track. So, uh, he over the course of his work, he he meets this uh, hooker with a heart of gold, uh, Vanessa, and he falls in. Why they fall wildly in love slash lust? Uh, their whole courtship is basically shown as a, as a vignette of them uh, having various uh, sexual escapades uh, over the course of several holidays. Uh, and you know, Deadpool's having the well, Wade as and Vanessa they have the time of their lives. You know, they've. They found they found the the, the, the the phrase that Wade uses is her crazy matches mine, and uh, they're you know having the time of their lives, uh, but then life as it does intervenes and Deadpool is diagnosed with what is probably the worst uh, form of cancer or forms of cancer uh, that I've ever seen in fiction. I, I, I his whole body pretty much becomes cancer. I think he's got his heart, lungs, liver, brain, like I've and never prostate. heard of any. And prostate. I've never heard of anybody getting that many cancers at once before. Um, please don't correct me because I really don't want to be depressed knowing that that kind of thing happens in real life. I'm and just uh, keep my mouth shut. Yeah, and uh, he winds up being recruited for this program to turn people into superheroes by exploring latent mutant genes. And this is where we see one of the few di- divergences from the comics in that uh, in the original comic story. Deadpool was a product of the Weapon X program, the same program that um, turned Wolverine into what he was, and he got his healing abilities from being infused with Wolverine's blood, as opposed to the movie where he just kind of always had it and it was just kind of not activated. And uh, it's during this that we're introduced to Francis, or as he prefers to be called, Ajax, because he gets his name from a dish soap. (laughs) And uh, the great antagonism of this movie begins. So, uh... Deadpool basically gets tortured throughout this whole program. His powers are activated. He gets his healing factor. And at the same time, he winds up looking like he's been run through a meat grinder. Uh, it looks like the... Freddy Krueger face-fucked a topographical map of Utah. <laughs> uh, blows up the lab, escapes, and uh, tries to go back to his old life. But he, he, he can't reconnect with his, uh, with his girlfriend, Vanessa, because he's afraid that she won't take him because of how ugly he's become. Uh, unfortunately, the point is forced when Ajax, uh, or Francis, kidnaps Vanessa, and Deadpool basically goes on a roaring rampage of revenge, aided by two X-Men, the only two that uh, they could get for this movie, Colossus and uh, the very obscure Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who, until I learned otherwise by looking up, I would swear they made up just for this movie. So, uh, yeah, um... Long story short, Deadpool kills Francis, reunites with Vanessa, love story comes to a happy ending, uh, no pun intended, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much the plot of the film. So, what did you guys think of uh, the plot and scripting of this film? Well, 
I'm gonna say that if the movie has one weak point, it's that the plot is actually strangely kind of by the numbers for a superhero movie. I mean, we have the love interest put at risk, we have the origin story, yada yada. It's the 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 strongest point of the movie isn't the plot. It's more uh, the way they use Deadpool to kind of comment and and joke about uh, the plot and the movie. It's serviceable. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a little strangely pedestrian for Deadpool, in my opinion. It's 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 a little strangely close to the formula for Deadpool. A little bit, and then there it there is the weird setup they had of it too. Like you, you start out in a almost right before an action sequence, like the very first action sequence of the whole film. And then goes, all right, by the way, pause, going to go back for a while and show you all this other stuff. And then, you know, you, you play catch up. So like the first half of the film, like in terms of like real time, doesn't like, doesn't leave that freeway scene by all accounts. Like, that's, and then that's a good point. finally you're like, all right, you're caught up, and now it's we're f- moving fully forward. Like I was like, this is a little jarring. Well, see, I I like um I like when movies play with non chronological structure like that. That's that that's always fun to me. I like in media res stories, and I kind of like when they go back and show you uh the the little and show you what came before. And there's a lot of back and forth because it's um it, it plays with time even more than that. I mean, the opening credit sequence. Uh, is a freeze frame of the middle of that uh, that highway scene, the middle of the the pure chaos that he unleashes in the middle of traffic as he's he's fighting and killing all of these guys, and then it goes back to before that happened, and then it goes back even further. I mean, he literally um, at one point in the movie comments about this sort of thing. He's like, um, "Oh shit, what did he say?" It's like a like a flashback inside a flashback or something like that. A fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. Yeah, that's it's right. Like it's like a fourth walls. wall. It's like 16 <laughs> walls. <laughs> yeah, it's uh <clears throat> It's it's I really like the way I like unconventional uh chronological structures like that and this when they're done well and this movie did it really really well. Um I don't know. I think it wouldn't have worked if they had begun it um with him as I nearly said normal, but even before he gets the superpowers, that was not a normal human being. <laughs> All right, not, not in one, not one, one bit. Cat, what about you? What are your thoughts on the the plot and scripting of this film? Um, the script was obviously awesome. the The plot, it, as much as um, John said, it was sort of by the books for a, uh, a superhero film. I enjoyed that the the fate of the world wasn't at stake. That was kind of where it it stopped being so much of a superhero film because at no point in time was the entire world in danger and depending on Deadpool to save it. It was just like, hey, you got my girl. That's it. I've got a vendetta. It wasn't like the stakes weren't super high. Well, that's sort of where where Deadpool works best. He's never he's he's I, I I'm trying to think the only time I can think of in the comics where the entire world sort of depended on him was uh, the Mithras arc in the 90s uh, comic, which uh, I won't elaborate on here. Um, but no, Deadpool usually works best when the stakes are kept pretty small. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. But anyway, I, did, I, did, I didn't mean to derail your, your thoughts, Kat, so continue. Well, that was that was the, the bulk of my thought. Was um, I, I did think the, the flipping back and forth between time periods was fine. I'm used to that in a lot of the stuff that I read. I just felt like sometimes the scenes ran on for too long. 
um, because some of them start rather short and then they go back to present time and those scenes are a little bit longer, but then sometimes the flashbacks went on significantly longer and it felt sort of weird that they weren't paced the same way. Um, so I kind of felt like, oh God, this scene is dragging, it's dragging, it's dragging. But that was only like once or twice that I felt that way. So otherwise I really enjoyed the story. What surprised me uh, about the film was, you know, when it's an action, when it, when it wants to be an action film, it's a good action film. When it wants to be a good comedy, it's a good comedy. And then when it wants to, to tug at your heartstrings, it does that really well too. Like the, the scene that stands out to me is the, the two scenes that stand out to me are um, one when Wade is uh, first diagnosed with cancer, and you know you see like Vanessa trying to to to, to ask the doctor about all you know all these different solutions and clinics, and he's just like you know you know she's she's fighting the the big fight, she's fighting the the the, the cancer, she's you know we're talking about Plan A, B, Z all the way to Z, and I'm just trying to memorize every detail of her face, and I'm just like you know that 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 whole scene was just I thought was just really heartbreaking, and then the other scene was uh, just after he escapes from Weapon X and he's He's trying to, to reach out to Vanessa to make contact with her again, but he hears all the people around him commenting on how hideous he is, and he's just, he just decides, you know what, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I can't bring this hell with me back into her life, and he just decides to just walk away, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, my heart went out to him. I don't know. I felt I felt like the decision of him not going back to her because he was ugly felt a little bit shallow and dickish. Like kinda, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, like he he went through he's gone through like all this stuff, and he's like, oh, I'm kind of ugly now, like, but you guys, like, I I felt like like that should be the least of their concerns. Like the biggest concern was, um, being found out he was still alive by Francis, you know. Yeah, that was kind of a weirdly that was kind of weirdly low on his uh, his list of priorities, wasn't it? Well, as I recall, he didn't know at that time that Francis had survived. Um, but Deadpool's vanity has always been sort of one of his flaws in the comics, so that I, I you know, that, the, the, the scene at the very least was true to his character. Um, I don't know, maybe, I, I fully admit this may just be my, my bias being a Deadpool fanboy talking, so. You know, a scene that kind of lingers in my mind that, that doesn't seem like it should be touching, like, at, at first glance is, um... The, the bit where they first meet in the bar when Vanessa's kind of basically soliciting him and they first meet in the bar and they start having the um <clears throat> the the little crappy life one-upmanship uh, competition there. Because, I mean, at first I wasn't even sure how I felt about that because I'm like, mm, it's, they're kind of making a little light of, like, some things here. But then I'm like, when I thought about it later, I'm like, this is kind of what two survivors of really traumatic... Uh, crappy pasts might do to cope with them and they're kind of bonding over their shared baggage here and it the more i think about it even though i'm sure like some of the stuff they were just making up as as part of their competition and some of it was probably true it's it really gives you a good insight into the the characters and their personalities and why they mesh together so well i kept wondering why she was in that bar because they had kind of made it out to be like, oh, this is a bar for mercenaries. And I'm like, why is she there? Well, you know, mercenaries got to spend their money somehow. Well, it, it kind of made me think, oh, is she a mercenary too? I got like the wrong impression <laughs> of her right <laughs> off the bat. 
well, well or did you <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing the interesting thing about Vanessa is uh, Deadpool did have in the comics did have a girlfriend named Vanessa but she was the mutant copycat and she was in fact a mercenary so I'm thinking that that was the angle they were originally going to go with and then I guess the budget ran out on a Negasonic Teenage Warhead uh, no, the so budget ran out on person. fucking Colossus <laughs> he was entirely True. CG True, true story, guys. True story. The reason why they had Deadpool repeatedly forget his guns and ammo is because Fox told them to shave like seven million dollars off the budget at the last minute. <laughs> well, uh, they found they found a funny, uh, an interesting way to work around it, which I suppose brings us to the the next point of the, the film, probably the film's strongest suit. And that's its dialogue. So, what did you guys think of the uh, the the dialogue in this film? It's really amazing when when a movie can be so offensive and yet not really offend anybody. And and I say that knowing that there's people out there who are offended by this film. Um, but we don't care about them because they shouldn't have gone to see this film if they're going to be offended about everything. Um, but it was it's so raunchy and and yet it's not overly so. It isn't one big long dick joke like it could have been. It could have been just terrible joke after terrible joke but it wasn't it actually turned out to be amazingly funny and really well written while still being inappropriate and feeling very true to the it's, character um if there's a way i could describe the the type of humor and the type of jokes in this it's i'm, I'm actually gonna it i would almost call it tastefully offensive if that makes any sense at all because he, he's going for he's going for everything he's he's using that crude sense of humor that crude self-aware sense of humor that deadpool is famous for and there's never seemed to me to be at any moment in the movie where he crossed a line into uh saying something where anyone well okay i'm sure someone would be but where where most people would be like dude that's really not cool because, uh, I mean, even Deadpool has limits, you know? Even uh, <clears throat> even Deadpool knows uh, knows when he's gone too far, because he knows he has an audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, I like to call it kind of, kind of playfully offensive. Yeah. Um, in that it's, you know, you, you know it's done, you know, tongue-in-cheek. You know that, it, it, that, you know, nothing serious has been taken from it. Uh, it's not like... Um, and now I can't remember the guy's name. There's this one comic in the '80s who his whole shtick was was being offensive, but uh, it, he wound up devolving to just being mean. Um, and I, oh god, I can't remember can't remember what his name was. He was considered for the role of Al Bundy and Married with Children. Somebody, somebody in the comments, tell me who it is because that's going to fucking bug me now for the rest of the night. Oh, you're talking about Douchey McDickface. I remember him. <laughs> very very um, short lived series. I'm not sure why it got canceled. <laughs> So, um, but no, you know, Deadpool has, you know, he makes, the thing with Deadpool is like, you know, he makes fun of everybody and everything, but he does so playfully. You know, it's kind of the, it's, it's, it's a wet, it's, it's a wet willy to the ear instead of a punch to the face. Yeah, it's really weird. It's really weird because Deadpool goes on like these massive one man murder sprees, but he does definitely have a conscience and he, he does have, as I said, limits to what he will and will not do. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research on the character um, the other night to prepare for this uh, for this episode because I probably know less about Deadpool than um, anyone else here, at least in terms of his his comic canon. I just knew him for the humorous aspects, and I was reading about a storyline where uh, he joined a group of uh, X Men who are like mutants who were made up partially of X Men because they were going on some sort of uh, 
of assassination mission. Uh, uh, that'd the, be X-Force, probably. Yeah, something like that, only with Wolverine involved. And they went, uh, Apocalypse had been, like, reborn or reincarnated as a little boy or something like that. And they went to assassinate him before he became big and powerful. And they did. They did flat out assassinate him. And Deadpool was extremely not okay with that. Uh, and even Wolverine, and he was he was just upset that they just killed a kid in flat out cold blood. And Wolverine was like, whatever, you're just a mercenary. You're just in it for the paychecks anyway. And Deadpool's like, yeah, whatever. Well, I never killed a kid. And he just walks off the team. Yeah, I I I, I know these. That's actually in it. yeah. X Force is which thing of the, the 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 most recent run of X Force, and the 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 moment from that is that I really like afterwards is after Deadpool walks off, Wolverine's just like whatever. He's a dirtbag mercenary. He can't be trusted. And the guy who's funding the operation is like Logan. He's been working for me for a year and a half, and he hasn't cashed a single check. Yeah, exactly. And see, that's the Deadpool I like. I don't just like I I don't just like the idea of the memes. I like the idea that he's actually. He, he's kind of a good person who does bad things and has had a bad past and uses his humor to cope with it. Anyway, Brian, you were about to say something? Well, in the film for me, and also a little bit of the comics, the best part about uh, Deadpool is usually he has someone to play off of. I know for a fact, if I don't mention this, Gonzo's, Gonzo Wills, that one of the best series that Deadpool's ever been in is Cable and Deadpool. Because Cable was, you know, the straight man, and you had Deadpool. And it was just a fantastic series. Um, there's an omnibus somewhere I need to buy. Uh, and in this film, they don't have Cable yet, quote-unquote. But they had Colossus. And when they sort of had the conversations back and forth when they arrived, I was like, this is really... I want to really see a little bit more of this, because this feels better. Like, Colossus being a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit over abundance about what a hero or things like that should be and Deadpool just sort of trying like listen I'm trying to kill this guy because he's a bastard like that. I, which is beautifully exemplified in this scene where Deadpool has has Francis at his mercy he's got a gun to his head and Colossus is going on about you know there's only four or five moments where you truly be a hero and midway through Deadpool pulls the trigger and Colossus loses his lunch <laughs> That was beautiful. That was. Why perfect. did you do that? Well, you wouldn't shut up. <laughs> He's like, I'll get the hero moment with the next four. <laughs> uh, uh. So I guess I guess now since we're talking about characters, let's go into the next segment of the film, and that's uh, the casting. And uh, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, like if there if there was ever an actor who was born to play a role, it is it is this. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool are my new OTP. So, uh, but yeah, that the, so that's clearly my thoughts. What about you guys? What did you think? I mean, I, I worked. It, it helps. It, it helps that he helped write it, so he plays to his own strengths because he wrote the damn thing. Like it's so perfect. And you can tell just just watching this film how much of a blast Ryan Reynolds had making it I don't think I've ever seen uh, an actor's love of his role on screen as clearly as this one like you could tell he was just having a world of fun with this oh yeah not only not only was he having fun with this but I I got the impression um and this is backed up by some interviews and and 
thing behind the scenes stuff I've read that this was not just fun but cathartic for him because he got a chance to uh, he got a chance to mock the Green Lantern movie a couple times he got a chance to mock uh, his uh, former um, former appearance as a Deadpool in name only in X Men Origins Wolverine uh, which he- we do not speak about. <laughs> We have to speak about it. They had the action figure on screen. <laughs> but I mean, he he got a chance. He got a chance to uh acknowledge those former mistakes, make fun of them and move on from them in a movie that was what he should have been in from the beginning. And that was beautiful. Okay. All right. Uh, next up on the list is, uh, Mer- and I hope I'm pronouncing this name right, Morena Baccarin as Vanessa, Wade's girlfriend. What did you guys uh, think of her? Okay, clearly nothing, because nobody's <laughs> saying anything. No, I was. I have a lot of thoughts about her. I was just going to give someone else a chance to talk. All right, Kat, let's start with you. Um, I... Uh, I... D- I was sad that she was a hooker because this is just the Inara Sarah thing all over again. Um, but I liked that she was just sort of a like no nonsense, don't give a shit, totally awesome kind of chick. Um, because females are usually just so poorly portrayed in a lot of movies. They're either like the heartless badass chick or the doting girlfriend who gets kidnapped all the time, and she kind of was a little bit of both, but just the right level of both. Where she was very caring and very loving. She could also kick ass if she was given the correct opportunity. She does get kidnapped, but you kind of forgive it because she helps to save herself. It was pretty good overall. Overall, yeah. Liked her a lot. Okay, Brian, what about you? I mean, she, she was... I liked... I, I mean, I enjoyed her for what it was, but like... I don't. I, at the same time, like she had like the screen time and the presence, but then she disappeared for a while because Wade wasn't following her around, and then you know shows back up to get kidnapped uh, to a helicarrier. I'm not sure anyone else noticed that. Um, <laughs> no, I never noticed that. I thought it was just. A, I thought it was. I thought it was just like a regular like tanker or something. No, it was a helicarrier. I never noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Uh, what appeared to be a crashed helicarrier. <laughs> That also blew up because that's all they fucking do. Um, <laughs> Your tax dollars at hey, work. Hey, sometimes they fall out of the sky. <laughs> then blow up. Oh, okay. But no, she was. I mean, for what? She, I mean, like really, there's only like three or four characters in this film, um, and one of them was a CGI uh, metal man. But and and but like uh, yeah, she, no, like, I, I mean, I guess I mean I liked her. That's really all I could really say about it. I mean, for my money, like I, I can see why. Um, I can see why uh, some people wouldn't be too happy about the fact that she was like uh, like a prostitute when she was introduced or whatever. But the weird thing that I actually liked about that was that I didn't feel like she was judged or objectified for that. Like, I mean, at least not compared to like prostitute characters that you would see in most other movies, especially most other comic book based. Frank Miller. <clears throat> I wasn't gonna say it, but I was thinking it extremely loudly. Um. It was just introduced as a fact of her character. It was introduced as what she did to to make her living. And Wade didn't judge her for it. None of the other characters judged her for it. And I found that weirdly refreshing. <laughs> but, well, I uh, mean, he kills people for a living. It's not like he's got room to talk. <laughs> yeah, but in most other comic book movies, that wouldn't stop him from doing it. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, okay. All right. Next up on the list is uh, the villain Ed Strine as uh, Francis Freeman or Ajax, aka who, uh, the British villain, as the credits introduced him. <laughs> who again, another another brilliant casting because like throughout the whole film, he just had like he's he's one of those he's one of those villains I like to call the he's he's got a punchable face. You know, he's got he's got the he's got the douchebag face. He's just like he's just that right level of scummy that's just like. God, if I could just have like five minutes and a baseball bat, like I would just mess this guy up. You just wanted, you you waited for the moment where the hero finally got his hands on him with this guy. I felt. Yeah, I mean, he was a tool. He was a dick. Yeah, he's. he's I, he villain. wasn't. He wasn't a likable villain. <laughs> okay, cat. What about you? Thoughts on Ajax? Um. He was alright. I I didn't feel like he was anything new or refreshing or different than we've seen in the past. So, I mean, I feel like I'm watching a lot of shows with characters like that. Um, And unfortunately, the Marvel films have had a lot of the exact same kind of bad guy. And he's a little bit different than what we've seen in, like, the MCU but he he still didn't really strike me as a unique villain. He certainly did have a punchable face, and I was waiting for the payoff of him getting his ass kicked. Um, and I liked the whole Francis thing, but otherwise he didn't really super stand out for me. Let's be let's be honest here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now. Like, I feel like we're stretching. Like, yeah, there was other characters in this film. We only really cared about Deadpool. I don't know. T.J. Miller as Weasel was a was a fun character. And well, the Mister One Note joke. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I thought he was funny. What What, what about you guys, Cat John? What did you guys think? Uh, who are we talking about, Weasel? Yeah, yeah. Weasel Weasel was Is entertaining. That, that character's name? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Weasel Weasel was entertaining okay. for you know when he was there. Um. I think, honestly, my favorite moment with Weasel in the entire movie was when he was in Deadpool's place and he's handing him his backpack and he's like, I would go with you, but I don't want to. Because that just sums him up all. That, yeah, he, that's... Had some, he had some good one-liners. My my favorite was the uh, the extended avocado joke. Like, like like they fuck but like it wasn't like loving sex it was like they it was like hate fucking like they they hated each other it was a bad relationship but that was the only catharsis they could have without beating the shit out of each other <laughs> oh see okay, what so i can't I guess... wait for is the damn deleted scenes because apparently they had so many different variations of all the different jokes and one-liners in the movie that they had a hard time narrowing down which ones made it into the final cut <laughs> oh man Okay, so I I actually liked the Negasonic Teenage Warhead character. Oh, she it was, was great. she was she was such a stereotype that it was amazing. Like she went from here's a trope character to here's someone who I'm actually interested in. And like I said, I was stunned to find out that she was an actual comic character because like I heard the name, I was like, oh, okay, they just made that up for the movie. But no, she was actually uh, she's an actual X Men character. Uh, really, really obscure. I think she's appeared all of twice in the last thirty years. But no, she's a she's there, and um, she's also com- got a completely different set of powers in the comics. Well, I said I, I I'm not familiar with her comic appearances, so I I couldn't speak to that. Brian would probably know more than I do about that. A little bit. She uh, was a telepath. 
Yeah. And this, in this one, she blows stuff up. Which fits much Which better with her name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I can read your mind. Yeah. The one the one character that I thought was a real weak point, and, uh, and Brian brought him up, and that's uh, Colossus. Um, yeah, you can you can see where the budget ran out when you when you look at him and and how he moves and how he performs. Although I will say that the the moments where he's sort of playing the straight man to Deadpool are gold. I just I do like I did also like the lines like man this is a big house but there's only two of you it's like the studio ran out of budget for anyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're taking you to see the professor McAvoy or Stewart man these timelines just getting confusing. God I love that line. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say it was really nice to see them getting to utilize the X-Men, the concept of X-Men. They're not dancing around the word mutant um, while still being a fun, you know, not X-Men film. Okay, so uh, we're kind of running a little short here. So uh, let's talk a bit about our, uh, our some of our final thoughts on the film. So, uh, Brian, let's start with you. Final general thoughts on Deadpool. Well, like I said, I was sort of pleasantly surprised by everything. Um, it had more to it than I thought it was going to be. I was very proud of that. Um, I'm not sure exactly where this will go in terms of being the best R-rated superhero film. Not only the best like re- review, but like the most money-making. Um, I'm not sure how the trend of that's going to continue. And overall, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll fully admit that I was wrong. I thought this would be a terrible film, and it wasn't. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> okay, Kat, what about you? Um, it was great. It 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 was very refreshing, different, very fun, upbeat. Um, God, it was so nice to go to a Marvel film without having, without having my my um, my chair kicked for two and a half hours by some kid <laughs> because there were almost no kids there. I say almost, and I'm pointing to some bad parent out there who did let their eight-year-old go see this film, but at least that kid was not sitting behind me. You know what? I got I to gotta point this out. The theater that I went to, they had fucking Deadpool as R-rated flyers plastered everywhere. Like, no shit. I wish I'd taken a picture. The, when I went to go pick up my ticket to the box office, I couldn't even see the guy on the other side of the glass. He had to, like, find a crack between the flyers to peek out at me <laughs> because there were so many of them. He's like, save me! They covered up the air holes. Man, I wish we had those flyers. <laughs> okay, John, final thoughts, final general thoughts on Deadpool. I mean, I warned some of the parents. There were tons of kids coming in, but I couldn't warn all of them. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I liked it. It was awesome. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was funny. And I would see it again and probably will see it again with a friend soon. Okay, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, like I said I this movie was it was better than I I feel like I had any right to expect it to be. Um, so I really enjoyed it, and you know, kind of going back to something I said earlier, I think this movie is sort of a product of its time because we have so many of these comic book movies that you know insist on on playing themselves totally serious and and nitty gritty. I think it was Skyblaze who said last week that you know. The, it, you know the DC's kind of afraid of, of putting out a comic book movie that knows it's from a comic book. Deadpool has no such fears. It it, it, it comes out and says, "Look, I'm a comic book movie. Take me or leave me." Um, you know, but we have like you know we've got so many of these comic book movies trying to play themselves deadly serious, and we've got so many of these you know the, this sort of climate of people getting you know uh, upset at uh, ribald humor. And here's Deadpool saying, "Okay, look, here's a comic book movie that knows it's a comic book movie and isn't afraid to thumb its nose at you know at the conventions of the time." So I kind of feel like that, that 
part of the success of Deadpool was just the time it came out. I don't think if this movie came out five years ago or five years from now, it would have done nearly as been nearly as successful as it was now. Um, but like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I'm I'm hoping, I'm praying that there there will be a uh, a Cable and Deadpool sequel because I really want to see that. So, uh, yeah, so now comes the part of the show where we give our final ratings on the film. As always, our rating system is from best to worst. See it now, wait for matinee, wait for DVD, wait for cable, don't even bother, and Brian's rating, fuck this movie. So, uh, Kat, let's start with you. What's your final rating on Deadpool? Well, I think we all all are waiting for cable, but um, I'd say go see it now. I like what you did there. I like that. <laughs> I, I gave this a small golf clap, by the way. Like that. And I, I, I look over here, I see steam coming out of John's ears because he's, he's mad he didn't get to do it first. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> so, John, what's your final rating on the film? I will definitely go see it. I mean, most of your friends have probably already seen it now. And as a matter of fact, statistically speaking, you've probably already seen it if you're listening to this podcast. So just go see it again. Shoo, off with you. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of in a unanimous decision. And also, I want to point out, because I forgot about it, this is the only film that has, like, Voltron mentioned? Ever? I actually sat there going, what, <laughs> what, what time frame was this fucking made in? <laughs> and also, yeah, what? that ring? <laughs> Seriously, what arcade is he going to that has a Voltron ring? Is this set in the 80s, or is this arcade just got that old of a... Is it just got merchandise that's that old? I just want to know where he's going if there's an actual arcade. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I went to one in Seattle. So, but anyway, Brian, your your final rating. It will be a, definitely a see it now. I'll just, I'll just keep it at, at unanimous. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna say the same thing. See it now, um, with a caveat. Like 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 we've said before, this is a movie that kind of knows its audience. So um, you know, if you're part of that audience, definitely go see it. If not, you know, kind of kind of do some research. See if it might be something that's your speed or not. You know, because one of the one of the one of the things that I saw this weekend, and this is something that I kind of had to shake my head at. I saw a lot of people uh, dragging people to see this movie blind who didn't have any idea who Deadpool was, and then were kind of surprised when the other person uh, didn't care for the film. So, you know, be, be, be courteous in exposing this, in, in, in showing others this film, you know. No, no, it, the, the film knows who its audience is. You should as well. So, you don't want, but yeah, you don't want to expose yourself to Deadpool. That you don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Unless yeah. that's your thing. Yeah, it, 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 it don't, don't take your grandmother to go see Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it depends on who your grandma is. I'm not. I'm not lying. I saw one guy taking his grandma to go see Deadpool. It was. It was surreal. But anyway, that's my oh, rating. Believe you me, that's nothing compared to what I saw. <laughs> so yeah, that's my final rating. See it now. And that is all the time that we have for Nerd to the Third Power this week. Thank you as always for tuning in. We will see you next week. As always, I'm Doctor Gonzo. I'm the cat. I'm Brian. And I'm John. And what are you still doing here? It's over. Go. We'll see you next week. Taka, play us out. 